0: We're glad you've joined us today for Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're at the beginning of a brand new series called The Power of the Resurrection. And today we're going to listen to the first part of a message called Christ is Risen. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I always read you guys the title of the message every time, every time. I read you the title of the message, and I thought for once, if maybe you could get your bulletin out and um, tell me really loud what is the title of the message today? Rise. Now I mean, like if you had to be the preacher every week, and you, you, listen, you only get one week to preach every year, so this is your chance. Like, what is the title of the message again? Rise. Okay, because I'm just going to say that everything today comes down to those three words, that little phrase. Everything in Christianity, every reason why we're here comes down to what was it again? Christ. Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah. I decided I'd bring the kids in just to kind of amp up the message a little bit today. <laughs> Well, let's continue our celebration today and get get a hold of God's word or open your iPad or your iPhone or if you're a visitor here today and you'd like a copy of God's word, just put your hand up. We'd love to put a Bible in your hand. Uh, We're going to be going to a brand new chapter, brand new section, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. (laughs) Amen. While you're turning there, I was just thinking about this. You know, how many of you like Christmas? Some of you aren't so sure. (laughs) I like Christmas, okay? But I'm going to tell you, in comparison to Christmas, which is awesome and has a foundational truth, um, Christmas is nothing compared to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? It all comes down to this. It all comes down to this. It was very interesting, as I was thinking, uh, this book, that were this particular book, 1 Corinthians, was probably written in the spring of uh, the year 55, which, uh, if you're counting was Easter number 26. You know, I wonder if Paul was thinking and this letter was arriving right around Passover. It very well could have been that they got this letter right about this time, just in time for Paul to draw their attention uh, to the resurrection. You know, I have to say of all the passages in scripture that talk about the resurrection, uh, this passage that we're about ready to go into, 1 Corinthians 15, I promise I won't preach it all today. I could, I'd be a lot of fun. Uh, but we're going to go through it for the next couple of weeks. It has the most time devoted to the resurrection. And I want you to think about this. Most of us think of the resurrection as in the past. It's something that God did. Um, it's the foundation to my faith. But I want you to know this. The reason that Paul wrote that letter and this part of the letter is because really the resurrection has much more to do with our future than even it does with the past. So much of what the Corinthians were a little confused about Related to how the resurrection affects you in the future. How it affects your eventual time with Jesus Christ. And so much here. We're going to read the whole passage here. Then we'll go back through it in bits and pieces. What was it again? What, what, what was the theme of today? Christ. Christ Okay, just save that. I might need that a few times. Verse 1, chapter 15. Paul says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you which you received in which you you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Now I do want to pause here to say this. Some of you might be wondering, what is that whole believed in vain thing? What if I've believed in vain? Well, I want to say this. Uh, The word there, the Greek word, uh, means to uh, believe without careful thought or to believe without due consideration or to believe in a haphazard way. Uh, Some of the Corinthians didn't really grasp, perhaps, the whole sense of what it means to come to Jesus Christ. They didn't really get the whole resurrection thing entirely. That's why Paul says, I better make sure you have all of that. Then Paul gives the gospel right here, verse three. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, As to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Here comes the turning point. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are, of all people, most to be pitied. I want to look at the, um, which, Which should we go first? Bad news, good news. Good, thank you for saying that, because it would have really messed up my sermon if you went the other way. (laughs) Look at verse 13. I want you to notice something. Uh, Your faith, um, if it is founded correctly, uh, needs to be founded in a solid understanding of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is what we are celebrating today. Look at verse 13. It says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, if the dead are not raised, now I'm gonna say this, this thought that people would be raised from the dead was absurd, okay? It was absurd, and that's why they, some of them had even uh, sort of created an understanding of Jesus Christ where I think he was raised, but for sure no one else is. It was absurd that not even Christ has been raised. You know, sometimes our celebration or the Corinthian celebration is muted by our lack of reflection. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about Ohio State and Columbus. You know, would Columbus be the same without Ohio State? What if they would put Ohio State in Akron? What? Some of you are like, I wouldn't be living here. You know, I wouldn't be living here. I don't know about you. I'll tell you what, if you think about it, Columbus would never be, even be a fraction of what it is today. So much is built around that, and our identity as people from Columbus is so much tied to Ohio State. If there was no Ohio State here, it would be a lot like uh, the state I came from. Our capital's in Springfield, Illinois. I don't even know where it is, okay? It's somewhere down in the southern part of... Just a little coffee stop, one coffee stop, and a gas station, and a capital. Okay? But I want you to think, on a much more serious note, Christianity, apart from the resurrection, if you don't think about that, is zero. Okay? We don't get to, like, say, well, I'm not so into the Easter thing. I'll, I'll take the Christmas thing. I like the Christmas. The baby thing, that's so cool. The presents, I love that. The Easter thing, eh, take it or leave it. You have zero. You have nothing without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's saying here. What is there if there's no resurrection? We'll look at verse 14. Paul says, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. If Christ is still in the grave, then preaching is empty. It's empty. Now, think about the Greek word there. You're going to see the word vain here a couple times in verse 14, verse 8, same Greek word. Uh, It basically means empty. Vain or empty. I want you to think about this. I noticed that we have a lot of kids. I might have to go find a few of them here. If you're a kid here and you're in church, this is awesome. So why do you just stand up for a second. Empty is bad. Okay, empty is generally bad. No one wants their gas tank empty, right? No one wants your gas tank empty. No one wants your what? Your bank account empty. Worse than that, no one wants to be given promises that are what? Empty. empty. And worst of all, no one wants to go through Easter and get empty Easter eggs, for sure. Okay? I remember as a kid, they'd have all these empty, go find these empty eggs. What? Open them up and there's nothing in them. Okay? And I'm going to just have a little fun here. I got a couple kids here. You guys can sit down. Kids, you can sit down. Sorry, I didn't mean to stress you there. Um, Okay, I've got two Easter eggs here. Okay? One has some chocolate and one is empty. So which one would you like? You sure this is the one that has candy? What if it's this one? Take that one, and you get this one. So why don't you open them up, see what's inside. Happy Easter. Um, no chocolate messes in here, okay? <laughs> I want you to think for a second. What if your faith, what if the message that I'm preaching up here is as empty as an empty Easter egg? If there's no resurrection, there is zero, zero, empty Empty. That's what Paul's saying. The preaching, it's not good news. It's not the gospel, which means good news. It is empty. If Christ has not been raised, the message of hope, of forgiveness in Jesus Christ is worthless. It is empty. And every one of us who have, in some way, shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone else have simply passed them something more confusing than an empty Easter egg. It's empty. Worse than that, notice verse 15, Paul says, not only have we given you something vain or empty, we are even found misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. Been deceiving people. I've mis- we've been misrepresenting the living God. Well, notice what it says in the text next. If the message is vain or empty, uh, so is our faith. The end of verse fourteen, he says, "If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Faith in the wrong thing, faith in nothing, is empty." Notice in verse seventeen, he says, "And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins." Yeah, I say this a bit toned down, but you know, if Christ has not been raised, that thing you think you had with God, it's nothing it all comes down to what what was the thing we we're talking about today? Yes, that's where it comes down to. Hi, this is Pastor Luke Earns from Vertical Church Columbus. Did you know that these meeting with God messages actually come from sermons given at our church home, Vertical Church Columbus? You know, in addition to hearing God's word proclaimed every week, you'll find a warm, loving church family of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus, Ohio, but are not currently connected to a church home, we'd love to invite you to visit us at 1290 Old Henderson Road in Columbus near the intersection of 315 and Henderson Road. Think about this. If Christ, How many of you guys remember that guy, Ponce de Leon? Juan Ponce de Leon. I love to say that name. Some of you remember back to history class. What was the thing about him that he was an explorer looking for? Yeah. Historically speaking, now they're not so sure that he actually looked for that, but just imagine that you were back in school and they told you he was looking for the fountain of youth. Think about this. If Christ has not been raised, you have no more chance of salvation than Paul and not had of finding the fountain of youth. It's zero. It's nothing. It's an empty pursuit. Paul's just laying it on thicker. He says in verse 18, he says, Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished, have perished. All those who died thinking that they were right with God only died to find out that they were dead wrong. And now beyond hope. do want you write this down. If Christ is still in the grave, then faith is empty. I don't believe Christians should be ignorant, foolish people. Christians should be thinking people. They should know what they know. Faith is not based on some, a thing I just sort of thought up and is... No, faith is rooted in something called the truth. Verse 19... I'm getting tired of talking about the negative. I wish Paul would just like shorten this so we get back to the good news. Verse 19, he says, and if in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people to be most pitied. Those who thought, if there is no resurrection, who thought that God's grace and God's favor rested on them, it's only a fallacy. It's only a fallacy. John MacArthur said it this way, If he, Jesus, cannot grant us eternal life, he cannot improve even our earthly life. If he is not alive, where would our source of peace, joy, and satisfaction be now? The Christian life would be a mockery, a charade, a tragic, tragic joke. If Christ is still in the grave, grace is empty. I mean, grace, think about that. That's, that's what we as Christians hold to most dearly, that we, the undeserving sinners, have received the favor of the living God. And yet if there's no resurrection, it's, it's a tragic joke. That's what Paul says. Romans eight, eighteen says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed uh, to us. I want to say this that Christianity is rooted in real life. It's rooted in the now, but it's even more rooted in the future. A couple of weeks ago, I was, uh, or actually about two weeks ago, Isaiah, our son, was doing a project and uh, he had to do a report or a speech on uh, some location. And he chose Rome and, in particular, uh, the Colosseum. Did some research, did a little research on that, did some more research, and um, They're not exactly sure if or how many Christians died in the Colosseum at the hands of lions or gladiators. It was very interesting reading up on how they did things. But it is without question that hundreds and thousands of Christians died in the Roman Empire soon after the resurrection of Christ because they were holding to one thing, salvation in Jesus Christ. But as Paul says here, if there's no resurrection from the dead, They died in vain. They died holding to something worthless. What a tragic end to a person's life. Paul's telling the Corinthian believers and those who are either pre or non-believers in their community that Christianity is nothing without the resurrection. That's what ought to stir up in our spirit a sense of the importance of today. Now, I'm glad the sermon doesn't end here. All agreed? Amen. All right, so, so why don't we all read together what verse 20 says? It says, but, aren't you glad that God has buts in the world? But, um, I was a sinner, but, I was in trouble, but, I was going the wrong way, but, what does it say? Let's read it together. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. So what, what is it again? Christ is? Raven. Love that. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come the resurrection of the dead. To say that through Adam, through a person, through a human being, sin entered into the world and has corrupted the world from God's perfect creation to a corrupted, evil, watch the news and read the newspaper, evil. World that God did not intend. By one man, sin entered into the world and corrupted the world. The amazing thing of the gospel is, through one man, came life and the resurrection from the dead. And what the rest of this chapter is, I'm not going any farther into this chapter here. But the next couple weeks, we're going to be looking at what does it mean. So we, so Christ is raised from the dead. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for my future? What does that mean for my hope in the gospel? We'll go back there in a few for the next few weeks. But I want to stop here. You know, it's very interesting that Paul does not expect the Corinthians to just accept the resurrection uh, because I said so. How many of your parents, you just hated this? Your parents would say, You need to do X. And you're like, Why? And what did they say? Because I said so. Don't you hate that? And then you become a parent. And then you hear yourself saying that. And I just like, Ugh. Oh. Paul doesn't do that. Paul doesn't say, Well, you should accept the resurrection because I believe it. Paul wrote to the Corinthians that the resurrection was indeed a verifiable fact. Let's look back at verse 4. Verse 4. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas. Cephas is another word for Peter. Then to the 12. Remember uh, Thomas and the other apostles who were scared to death after Jesus died, thinking it was all over. He appeared to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Uh, we don't know when that was. The scripture doesn't tell us. Could have been at the uh, time when Jesus ascended into heaven. We're not told. Most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. and Then to all the apostles. Now, the word, uh, the person James there, there's a couple Jameses in the Bible. Um, I, I think it's pretty clear. Uh, this is the James that was Jesus' brother, okay? Now, can you imagine growing up as the half-brother of Jesus Christ? I mean, all those things that your parents say, like, you know, your brother's perfect, act like him, were true. Even worse, James could say, yeah, my parents treat my, my, treat my brother like he's God. <laughs> oh, he is. But I'm not believing that. The scripture tells us in John 7, 5 that even his brothers were not believing in him. That is, Jesus' earthly ministry and all the miracles he did, they didn't believe in him. They didn't believe in him. It's kind of hard to acknowledge that your half-brother is God or the Messiah. And yet, Jesus appeared to him. Then finally it says that last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, Paul says. Now, Paul's not talking second person here. He's talking about someone who he had personally seen the risen Savior. I want to give you a couple things here, five things to base uh, our understanding of the resurrection on uh, the fact that it's a fact. Okay? What is it? It's a no, so Paul says that. He says that, in fact, Christ has been raised. Well, how do we know that for sure? Well, I want you to think about a couple things here uh, to build up our faith in the fact that it's not just believing in something, it's a fact. Here's the first thing. Uh, the personal appearance of Jesus Christ uh, to so many. You know, the great thing about our faith is that Paul doesn't say, well, you know, a couple people, a couple friends of Jesus told me that he was risen, and we just all sort of believed him, and, you know, that, that's kind of how we figured No, that's not what he says. He says, it's in fact, because he appeared to a bunch of people, up to 500 people at one time. Okay, you can't, you can't sort of appear to 500 people. You can't, okay? You can't, halluc- can't get 500 people to hallucinate or to think it's crazy. More than that, notice that he says in verse six, he says, and he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Okay, this is 25 years later. I want you to think back for a minute. Can you remember what you were doing in 1988? I remember what was going on then. Some of you are like, I wasn't even born in 1988. We all welcome our children's ministry. Thank you for coming too. Um, Some of us, most of us, Some of us can really remember past that. But um, in 1988, my brother was born. I remember there was a drought that year. I remember playing Little League Baseball. I think I threw a no-hitter that year. Or, no, I wasn't. I did some other baseball things. I don't remember it real well, but I remember it. I don't know what you remember about that year. That's what it was like here for Paul. When Paul said that these people had come, that they had seen the risen Christ, this was only 25 years earlier. And he says, you can go visit them. Think about this. Some of you did studies in uh, history, the Pax Romana, the fact that uh, the Roman Empire was built to be a place of peace where there were good roads so that people could move around so they could build up the wealth of the empire. Um, these people here in uh, Greece, it wasn't that hard to go back to Jerusalem and talk to these people in person. They're like, we don't believe you, Paul. We're not so sure about you. He's like, well, go talk to them. Go talk to them. Some, Most of them are still alive. It was verifiable. Second of all, there's a misconception, and I would even say that um, probably many people think this. There's a misconception that in ancient time, times right around the resurrection of Christ, a people were much more open to the supernatural. They were willing to believe this story about the resurrection much easier than we would now because we are so much more scientifically advanced. Okay, they actually, it's probably not true in any way. Not only was it difficult for them to believe, it was basically impossible. Uh, the Greco Roman world, as um, Tim Keller and N.T. Wright point out, in the Greco Roman thinking, the soul or spirit was good, and the physical and material world was weak, corrupt, and defiling. To them, the physical, by definition, was always falling apart, and therefore salvation was conceived as liberation from the body. In this worldview, it was not only impossible, but totally undesirable. The soul, having gotten free from the body, would never want it back. So, in the the Greek world, they're like, resurrection, why would you even want that, let alone that it's impossible? Well, maybe, maybe the Jews would accept it. Well, for the Jewish mindset, it was much different. They viewed the physical body of the physical world as a good thing. But to them, the thought of being resurrected back to this corrupted world was impossible. Their thought of the resurrection, that it would happen at the culmination of the end of time, if you will, the day in the prophets, the day when the Lord would come back. So the thought that a body would be resurrected before God had made all things new was inconceivable. So in that context, you have to think, in that context, here comes the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is impossible to the Greeks and impossible or unconceivable to the Jews. It wasn't fertile soil for a story. The resurrection had to be true. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. If you missed part of today's message or would like to hear other messages from Pastor Luke Aarons, please visit our archive of Meeting with God radio programs at our website, verticalchurch.life. There you'll find a collection of past messages from God's Word, which you can listen to easily, as well as share with your family and friends. Also on our website, you can learn how to connect with Vertical Church personally if you're in Columbus or leave a prayer request. As always, we hope you'll join us here tomorrow at the very same time for your Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.